once again, good morning. Welcome to Tuesday edition of the Tony Basilio Show. Tony's still in the midst of the Basilio family graduation tour, and we're happy to lend hands so he can do so. Brownie, Matt, Dino, at your service once again. We turn our attention from volunteer baseball team's last opponent to the upcoming week with Belmont tonight at 6.30 at Lindsey Nelson and then traveling to Columbia, South Carolina over the weekend uh, to play the game talks. Uh, we'll be joined off the top by Tennessee head baseball coach Tony Vitello. Then later in the hour, Todd Walker, one of the outstanding SEC network analysts, joins us for some SEC baseball talk. Uh, we want to be courteous to your time, so hold your calls in the first hour. Uh, it'll be it'll be uh, guest intensive. Hang in there with us because we'd love to talk to you in the second hour about anything that you hear in the first. So we'll come back and kick it off with Tony Balls on the Tony Basilio Show Tuesday style on the other side. Spread the word and get the app at TonyBasilio.com for Android and iPhones. Hi, I'm Robert Rogers at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. Parks Motor Sales was founded by my granddad, Bobby Parks, and my great-granddad, Julian Mays, in 1958. We've been family-owned the whole time, and being family-owned, locally-owned, means you get to get your next vehicle or your existing vehicle serviced by the same people who stand in the grocery line with you, drop their kids off at the same school you do, and smile and are happy to see you when they do. So come see us at Parks Motor Sales in Columbia, Tennessee on 919 Nashville Highway or ParksMotorSales.com. Hello, I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. You may have heard our previous commercials about compression hosiery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. 388-4233. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard, so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the stair that only creaks when everyone else in the house is asleep. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Hi, I'm Steve, the Garbage Man. Are you new to Murray County? We want to welcome you and your family. We are a local residential garbage service, and we want to be your garbage man. We've been around for over 30 years, so we have a reputation. Check us out at garbagemaninc.com or call Mike at 931-540-0919. You could also ask your neighbor. 931-540-0919. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole bar. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644.
Brown's Body Shop has two locations to provide your vehicles with high-quality body and frame repairs, the best paint jobs, and custom body fabrications. Brown's Body Shop has been successful for more than 50 years because of their highly trained personnel, competitive prices, superior customer care, and timely service. Don't put off body repairs or that custom paint job at Fenders. Go to Brown's Body Shop today. 1505 Nashville Highway in Columbia, the 129 Alpha Drive in Franklin. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Looking for convenience? Try Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Murray County, Southern Middle Tennessee, and North Alabama. Whether stopping in on your way to work for coffee and a biscuit, taking a plate lunch to go, or grabbing something cold to drink after a long hot day at work, there's always one nearby. Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Southern Middle Tennessee and North Alabama. Proudly serving Shell Gasoline. Hello, this is John McEwen with McEwen Group Real Estate, located at 17A Public Square in beautiful downtown Columbia. Our family has over 40 years experience selling farms, residential, recreational, and all types of real estate here in Middle Tennessee. Check us out online at McEwenGroup.com or on Facebook and Instagram at McEwen Group, or give me a call today at 931-628-1749. McEwen Group, land is your legacy. Have you heard the news? The Big Yellow School Bus with your host, Jack Cobb, with Murray County Public Schools has a new day and time. Hop on the Big Yellow School Bus Saturdays at 10 a.m. right here on WKOM 101.7 FM to hear all about what's happening in and around Murray County Public Schools. The Big Yellow School Bus with Jack Cobb and Friends on Front Porch Radio, Saturdays at 10 a.m. on WKOM 101.7 FM. you got to know Spend a very special evening with The Gambler. The timeless music of Kenny Rogers, performed by Justin Sullivan and his seven-piece Real Deal Band. Many have said this is the best tribute show of its kind. Hear all your Kenny Rogers favorites. Lucille, Lady, She Believes in Me, Coward of the County. Saturday, May 20th, 7 p.m. at the legendary Crockett Theater in Lawrenceburg. Tickets begin at only $16. Yes, an evening with the gambler and the Real Deal Band. Saturday evening, May 20th at 7. For more information, log on to CrockettTheater.com. CrockettTheater.com. We'll see you there. The NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series. Pace truck hits the pit lane, gets out of the way, and they get ready for the green flag. Heads up Highway 421. Dick Sanchez outside row one, Carson Hosebaro, and they're going to wad him up going into turn number three. For the return to North Wilkesboro. Grant Enfinger to the line, and with the win as a checkered flag goes in the air. It's the Tyson 250. Saturday, May 20th at noon on WKOM 101.7 FM. 
This is Clayton Harris, and you're listening to 101.7 WKOM Columbia. And we welcome you back. Tuesday edition, Tony Basilio show. Again, uh, Tony uh, taking the week to uh, celebrate the graduation of Anthony uh, from Penn, which has occurred, and Kaylee from University of Tennessee, which is upcoming. And a uh, huge week for the Basilios. Happy for all of them. As we said yesterday, happy for all the graduates and their families in the, in, in the area. It's a uh, celebratory week. Um, we've got uh, Tony Vitello will be on with us momentarily. Uh, Brian is making contact with him right now. And looking forward to talking to him about uh, the upcoming week and uh, what his thoughts are going forward with the Tennessee baseball team. Matt, you've covered this team uh, all year long. Um, how, do, how do you think they're sitting right now, uh, uh, heading into the heading into the postseason? Um, I I think they're they're getting there on on the mound with with Dolander. I think I think he's starting to pitch his best ball of the year. Uh, Chase Burns is a huge weapon out of the bullpen. Andrew Lindsay's been solid on on Friday nights and gives them a chance to win. So I, I like where the the pitching is is at, and we obviously know about their depth uh, at at the plate. They have some guys who were starting to hit well. Uh, Denton Merritt, uh, you know, obviously Dickey's injury is is going to be key going forward, uh, as, as well as getting getting Blake Burke out of his slump, which is you know one of the things I want to that I want to ask Tony about is. What 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 can coaches do to to help a guy like that uh, without just kind of just clogging up his, his his mind with with too much stuff? You know the the transformation and uh, improvement of of the transfers has has been a big part of this, I believe, Matt. Uh, all of those guys seem to get their feet on the ground a little bit, almost at the same time seemingly and uh they they've all made they've all made really solid contributions especially in the second half of the conference season yeah 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 they have and and they've been i actually thought they were might have been their best defensive uh weekend uh this past weekend with uh with didn't making a couple of nice plays at, at third uh, and then, um, I mean, he's not transferred, but Christian Moore made a couple of nice plays that, that directly saved runs. So I would, that was big to get that going. I think they're still last in fielding and league play, but it, that, that does seem to be improving as does the base running. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to, you're going to start picking it now, it's a good time to do it. And I, I, like I said yesterday, I thought Denton's play in the eighth inning, um, of Saturday's game was the difference between winning and losing that series. I think Kentucky was going to come back and win that game if Denton doesn't take that away there. Let's go to Coach Vitello. Well, we're pleased to be joined by the head baseball coach, University of Tennessee, uh, Tony Vitello. Uh, Tony, uh, Tony B. is uh, celebrating the graduation of uh, both of his uh, his kids this week, Anthony graduated from Penn, and uh, Kaylee is getting ready to uh, graduate from the University of Tennessee. Uh, so he's taken uh, some uh, well-deserved time off. I don't know whether to apologize or congratulate you. Uh, <laughs> it's wrong with Brian Hartman, Matt Dixon, and Bino today, but welcome in anyway, Coach. 
No, I like that crew. That's one I would I would select for sure. Tone has deserved the uh, the right to celebrate those things, and there's things that he should. Uh, but I think we're all uh, relieved to have a little less controversy today. <laughs> oh my goodness! I hope he's listening, uh, Coach. If you boned up for any UFC questions, it was probably unnecessary. But uh, we'll talk a little. We'll talk a little baseball here today. Um, off the top, uh, update us if there is any. Uh, on Jared Dickey's status? Yeah, you know, I went recruiting yesterday, and uh, I know he was really sore uh, due to some swelling just from, you know, um, a little bit of an awkward slide into the plate. And so it's just a matter of calming down that, that pain and that swelling that go hand in hand. Um, yesterday, I know uh, he was, you know, due to do some assignments in the training room and touch base with our staff in the morning, but I can't say how he's feeling today or how much an, uh, an extra day uh, from the weekend did for him. Coach, the, the road, as happens in this league, has not been kind thus far, but you mentioned in your presser after game three in Athens that you felt better about the team's approach in that series. Anything specific you saw from that you can share with us that makes you feel better about uh, the team's trip to Columbia this weekend? The less up and downs, um, you know, overreaction to negative things, because they're going to happen, and they're probably going to happen more on the road, no matter what team you are or where you're playing. Um, starting with just handling the crowd, and, you know, you don't, you're not in control of your schedule. You're not sleeping in your own bed. So uh, whatever adversity comes your way, um, to overreact or, or to get deflated is going to cause you further harm down the road. So that was one thing. But then just kind of this sense uh, of this group um, recognizing at the start of the year, we don't know who our lineup is. We don't know where guys fit in, you know, on the pitching end of things. Defense, base running, need to get shored up, learn from mistakes. Younger guys need to accumulate experience or at-bats. Um, just the acceptance of that and the willingness to learn and just push forward regardless of results is something I keep saying to the media, and it may sound like I'm, you know, spinning a web or, or using the same answer over and over again, but I'm saying it because it's it's true. It, it's kind of what we're living out. Matt, jump in here. Yeah, Coach, just um, Blake, Blake Burke's struggles here in league play. Um, do you, are there any parallels to maybe what, what Jordan Beck was going through last year, being kind of middle-of-the-order guy who <laughs> the opposing team kind of has top of the scout? And, and what do you as coaches do? or tell him to help him come out of this slump without just kind of clogging his head with too much, too much stuff. Tell him to talk to Jordan back. <laughs> it's, it's uh and I, I say that, you know, kind of laughing because we literally just talked on a conference call yesterday while I was traveling and said what you just said. So uh, kudos to you. Um, what I hope you think our coaching staff smart because you, <laughs> you're right in line with what we were thinking. It's the same thing. And, um, He's looked at differently, probably starting what I, my comment was, he hits one on the roof of the parking garage at Grand Canyon. So any Vol fans that made that trip uh, with us, we appreciate it. And you saw him hit one in a spot where no one's supposed to hit it. I'm willing to bet from that time on, the scouting report has talked about light tower power. Don't let this guy beat you. Don't let him embarrass you. And so there's a different goal and approach when he's up to bat than our other guys, similar to Jordan Beck. And Jordan kind of had a, um, a moment last year in the video room where he recognized that, that, um, you know, things are a little different for him. 
and how is he going to approach it? And, and part of it is personalized, but part of it is learning from other guys that have had to handle it in the past. And then you got to uh, build up reps to where you put into play, you know, what your approach is or how you want to handle things. And I think he's in the midst of that right now. But an easy answer, it falls under so many categories, is the old trying to do too much um, is a killer in baseball. And then South Carolina, it's been a while since you guys played them. That might have been the first series uh, last year. Uh, just your, your thoughts on South Carolina. They've had a really good year and just kind of where you think they're, their club's best at. Yeah, you know, I think where they're best at is, um, you know, in the training room. They're starting to get some guys back. I know um, when they played Kentucky, because of scouting reasons, you see some of that game and um, there's some guys missing. I mean, we're all banged up this time of year. Um, but you'd like to at least have your guys available. They had a few guys not available. It appears, and again, we're not only are we focused on Belmont, we're focused on trying to get the game in tonight. So uh, I'm willing to bet we'll start early tonight for those that are coming out. We're just trying to work it out with, with Belmont. But when we do go to South Carolina, I think they'll have a lot of those position players back that they've been missing. And when they started the year, um, they were one of the most explosive offenses in the country, a lot of home runs. Um, and, and then on the on the mound, a lot of the guys are using are guys that were a part of that team last year, even though we played them a long time ago. Brian, jump in here with uh, Coach Vitello. Yeah, does somebody on your staff or do you look at some NCAA tournament projections? And do you guys perhaps game plan and, and come up with a game plan for the next series based on what the projection might be? Or is that foolish for me to ask the question like that? No, I think it's smart, <clears throat> and I think just um, one of the reasons why, Frank, when we first hired Coach Anderson here along with myself, it may have seemed like an odd duo on the surface to those in the college baseball community, but we just kind of are similar, right or wrong, in a lot of ways. And he and I in particular just don't ever look at that stuff. And part of it is you're trying to expend all your energy into the thing that's right in front of you, uh, but then also – kind of practice what you preach with the players you can only control what you can control and there's so many unknowns when it comes to the postseason whether you know just i could get into a variety of things and you guys probably could predict them but um for us if there is some strategy you do want to look at that tuesday game and hoover um because we will be a part of the tuesday bracket and at least kind of plan a little bit because guys have to throw bullpens and prepare and things like that. So um, for the most part, we leave a little bit on the back end. I think I looked at RPI for the first time about um, 10 days ago, and that's why I knew Kentucky was where they were at. But otherwise, um, I can only kind of guess what the standings are um, and, and what other some predictions are. I think we just need to make sure our guys are playing their best baseball at the end of the year so you guys have fewer mistakes to talk about on here. As a quick follow-up to that, Coach, to do you guys talk to the team about what it might take to host, or do you just basically take this thing one game at a time and let the chips fall? No, I think if I was to, or maybe even brought up in the fall when I went on a tangent about some things that were going on, um, don't leave it up to anybody else. And, and so um, regardless of where we'll be, It'll kind of be the theme of, and it happens if you're hosting too. Like you don't have control over the three teams that they send to you, so don't get caught up in it. Don't try and predict it. 
Um, wait for your assignment and then attack that assignment as best as possible. Um, so for us, I think the only thing we've talked about as of late is um, making sure the vibe we have in pregame, um, leading up to the game, and throughout all nine innings is what it's supposed to be. And that's why Sunday was weird. Um, even though we had won the series, um, the guys, you know, you can, you can sense things. Baseball, our day's long. They show up four hours before the game. You got four hours to predict whether you think your guys are locked in or whether you think you got a good chance to win and all that. And then there's nine innings, which is long. And with that rain delay, it was long. So our guys kind of were good of spirit and mind. We just didn't get that first run across, which I think could have helped a bunch. And then, you know, didn't get off uh, to, the, to the start we wanted to on the mound. Coach, you talked a little bit earlier about uh, everyone kind of getting more comfortable with their roles and uh, what uh, what part they're playing in, in this year's drama. Um, what um, At this point of the year, are slots in the rotation and in the lineup fairly well locked in, or is there they're basically – season-long competition for those spots? No, I, I like weekly competition, and, you know, we're going to have to earmark who's available, who's not uh, this coming weekend. And then in the tournament, we're allowed to have more bodies active, but it'll be the same thing. And you get into that winner's, you know, or, or the pool that's on Wednesday where it's double elimination, you may need <laughs> you may need to use 14 pitchers in the tournament or whatever it might be. So that can be a big deal. But if you're talking about big picture, who fits in where, I think we kind of settled into those main hitters, um, you know, when they're healthy. And, of course, KT is back. And then on the mound, um, we've kind of, you know, aligned what our pen looks like. Uh, still room for some minor things there. But you, you got the big picture in the bullpen and with the starters as well. The one big asterisk to throw out to you is what I talked about with the media after the game Sunday. We knew Halverson would start a game for us at some point this season, if it was going to be a successful one. And I think we can now say he's at least started a game. It was a restart, and he's gotten over 70 pitches. And so with a tournament involved, um, you know, maybe at some point soon he gets a start. I, I'm not trying to hint and, you know, know that it's actually going to happen, but it's it's a potential. Jump back in, Matt. Yeah, what was Sunday Halverson's best day on the mound at, at Tennessee, at least in the game? At at times, yeah, no question. Um, you know, I think the first solo homer was just we're looking to attack. We're down. Um, you, you don't want to complicate problems by putting guys on base and a really good hitter put a good swing on a ball when the ball was jumping the center field. I think the second home run was a result of maybe paying attention to some things that were going on over in their dugout and a really good hitter got into one when he was at the end of his rope on the pitch count deal. It was his last hitter, so um, that's the old thing as a coach. I, I talked with a scout about Dolander. He came out of the Florida game uh, probably a hitter early, but a lot of times you'll reach that point where you got your guy out there, you want to give him one more hitter, and if he gets him out, it's a great end of the day. Everyone's fired up. You look smart, and if he doesn't, you'll wonder what if. Um, but, but those pitches in between what I'm talking about with those home runs, they were about as electric as anyone, you know, it's kind of in the Burns category, basically how he was throwing. Coach, uh, I, uh, 
I'm glad to hear you talk a little bit about that. Uh, I, you know, I I know absolutely nothing about this game, but uh, it's it. I wondered how that affected him staying in just a little bit of extra time. That kind of maybe as he exited, he had a little bit of sour taste in his mouth that he wouldn't have had. But I I know that's a hard formula <laughs> to to get right. It is, and it's it's based off the individual too. I, I think with the guy we're talking about. His track record here is not that long, but what we've seen is when he's got a little edge to him and uh, he thinks he should have come in the game earlier because he always wants the ball where his last outing didn't go, he he can get after it pretty good. And that's when you see not just 97, 98 coming out of that hand, but it's also located really well. Um, so uh, while he was probably bitter at the end of the day, uh, I think he's probably got a good mindset about him and also has a little edge to him for the next time he goes out there and um, he takes tremendous care of his body. You see how physical he is. He's, he's almost looks like a human brick out there. He's super strong and he's athletic. Um, the velo was still there at the end. So another way to look at it when, and <laughs> I may be setting myself up for extra criticism, but just trying to give you guys insight when you're looking at how a pitcher did and whether he could have come out of the game or not, the more repetitions you accumulate, the more chances to show success or not success. You know, if you face 10 hitters um, as opposed to 20, there's fewer opportunities to strike guys out, and there's also fewer opportunities for those guys to get hits because you're not facing as many guys. Um, so all in all, I, th- I think a true positive, again, if we're going to lose the game, then let's, let's lose the game, and we certainly did that on Sunday, and then see what you got out of it uh, that, that was positive. Coach, hard not to be happy for guys like Hunter Inslee and Christian Scott who paid their dues and and become uh, major contributors. It's it's kind of what your program has been built on. I think so. I, I you know the portal is a necessity. If you ask me behind closed doors, or I'll just say it now, I don't like it at all. I hate it as a matter of fact. Um, but again, it's a necessity. The thing I really like is finding a guy that is a good match for you, really wants to be at your place, you really believe in the kid, and then the two of you, and by that I mean the player and the coaching staff, get together and try and get it as good as you can. And for some kids, they get on the field, you know, as a freshman. I mean, Jordan Beck was not that big of a recruit at the in the beginning of things. Um, so he, he obviously is a talent, but it was, hey, I really like you guys. We believed in him. Coach E spent so much time. And then we spent even more time trying to get him as good as he can get because he wasn't a very good base runner or outfielder, but he worked his butt off at it. And then he, you know, blossoms into what he might be. And again, that's an extreme example because the kid's so talented and such a hard worker. But that, that's what I really like and enjoy about the recruiting aspect and coaching aspect combined, uh, with this job. And, and one thing that the portal is going to do, and I hope it doesn't draw too much away from our program in particular, but one of the things the portal is going to do and post-COVID, just all these older rosters, uh, it, it, it's going to, some of that's going to evaporate, unfortunately. Brad, jump in here. I wanted to ask you, the last couple outings for Chase Dolander have been, he seems to be, you know, they've been better, and it seems like he's coming on at, toward the end of the year and getting to that point where he'll need to be to have you guys going as far as you can go but 
Drew Beam, on the other hand, his last two outings have been a little bit rough. Is there some concern there with him? And how you know, does he get it straightened out to where he was? Right, right. <laughs> I think as far as getting it straightened out, I think a big part of it for us to see, you know, what outliers are there that weren't there before. Um, but at this point in the year, you're not going to reinvent a new pitch. You're not going to change a delivery. Or, and, of course, for him, he doesn't need to do either. It's, it's going to be more about an internal reflection, and that's why some guys could benefit from keeping a journal, um, you know, and not even a, a formal one, just jotting down some notes like, what was your week like leading into this outing? What was the day like? And, and I can't speak for him, but it just kind of seemed like something was there, you, you know, to maybe distract him or, or lessen his focus. He just did not look like himself right out of the chute on Sunday and, you know, I worked with a guy that might have taken him out after the second hitter, but a guy that's been a warrior for you, you, you want to let him work through it, but we've kind of done that a couple times on the road and then, you know, have to face questions from you guys and like, hey, you're right, probably a couple hitters earlier might have benefited us. Uh, so we didn't want to wait too long this particular day. Um, but baseball is, is a sport based off sample size, and if you're going to go off uh, a reasonable sample size, the kid is a strike thrower that's very consistent and, and typically gives us a chance to win. Um, so I'd like to think, you know, those are two outings, the last two that we look back on and say were the, they were the worst two of his year. Um, but regardless, he's always going to prepare. The guys are always going to want to play behind him. And he certainly, you know, earned the respect of the coaching staff to have the ball in his hand in important situations. you have time for another one, Coach? Yeah, one more, and then I'm going to call Coach Jarvis. He's a great dude over at Belmont and see what we got. Again, I think if we move this thing up closer to 5 o'clock or something similar for those listening that would attend the game, I think that makes sense. We, we really need to get some of these guys some action um, that, quite frankly, may not have another opportunity before the end of the year. Uh, before Matt asks the last question here, Coach, how will fans know – uh, the time of the game night, what's the best way to find that out once it's uh, revised? We'll, the, they can call into the Vols uh, hotline, but uh, we'll, we'll post that on our Twitter and, and any other social media accounts, and I'm willing to bet we'll do so before noon, uh, whether you want it or not. The, the thing we're hung up on is what can their bus do? Um, how early can their bus get them here? And then we're kind of willing to shrink our pregame activities and almost kind of treat it like a summer baseball game where it's like, let's just play. And Belmont has to travel to Bradley tomorrow. So they go home and then wake up again and travel. So uh, out of respect to them, we just don't want to keep them here till 11 o'clock at night with a couple different delays. So an early start makes sense. How early, I don't know, but I think before noon we'll blast that out on social media. So thank you for asking that. Close it out like Chase Burns here, Matt. <laughs> I, hear well, you. I, I wasn't going to ask you. I don't have a question, but I just – we we got Evan to admit yesterday that uh, Coach Anderson takes takes mail visits sometimes just just so he can get a couple of words in with the umpire, and I just I'm I'm glad that we could confirm that. And, and but but Evan did let that let that secret out yesterday. Yeah, um, loose lips sink ships is what someone should tell Evan. But in that particular case, I've had several people point out to me they just noticed. You know, regardless of when it happens or when he does visit, he seems to have a conversation. And I will tell you this, he has a lot of respect for those guys, and in the heat of moment, he's as competitive as anybody. 
but he also tends to kind of build relationships with those guys and ask them questions and, you know, kind of see how, how's our catcher doing, whatever it might be. So there's a lot of conversations that take place and, uh, kind of like our players. I mean, you would rather have too much fire and too much competitiveness than not enough. And, and I can tell you, uh, for a guy that's been doing it a long time and consistently has ERA and walk numbers near the top in the country, he still has that kind of young man's learning mentality or apprentice, I should say. I shouldn't bring up age, but uh, kind of the apprentice approach of how do I learn more? How do I figure this thing out? Um, so he's great to have around. Hey, Coach, always appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Uh, best of luck this week. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on the non-Tony show. I appreciate it. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, another great appearance from uh, from Coach Vitello. We we always appreciate his availability and, and his candidness. He's, and he's, he, he, he takes some questions that, uh, that some would bristle at, so we appreciate his time. Uh, Matt, overall thoughts on uh, on what uh, Coach Vitello had to say today? Yeah, I I thought he was pretty candid with with some of the pitching stuff with with yep. Beam and um, Halverson, just kind of going in their thought processes of all that. And you know, from what he said post game Sunday and and kind of today, just kind of hinting at just kind of stretching Halverson out. Um, so I I would probably be pretty surprised if he doesn't start a game either. Maybe not this weekend, but but probably in the SEC tournament if, if Tennessee you know is, is sticks around for the for the double elim- elimination part of it. I I thought he was really open and candid today. Yeah, and I, I'm, Matt, I think you've done a fantastic job of covering this team this year. I've I've enjoyed uh, the short porch uh, stuff that you've put out there. It, it's all been good. I don't know that I'm real comfortable that you and our coaching staff are on the same wavelength, though. Uh, I have to be honest about that. Yeah, that's that's probably not a good thing, if I had to, <laughs> if I had to go. Yeah, not, not, not great there, but, you know, I, I, I'll take that as a compliment, I guess. Yeah, you should. You should. Yeah. That's fantastic. Now we're, uh, we're pleased to be joined by Todd Walker, former LSU baseball great. He was named uh, Most Outstanding Player in the 1993 College World Series, played 10 years in the big leagues, and was inducted into the National College Baseball Hall of Fame in 2006. Currently serves as an analyst for the SEC Network Baseball Broadcast. Todd, thank you so much for being on with us. Uh, We're out of Knoxville, Tennessee here, so this time of year we're really interested in some uh, closing out the SEC baseball season here and seeing what the postseason holds for Tennessee. Well, I think you ought to be optimistic because uh, they have all the parts, man. That that offense has, has gained some momentum, hitting right up under 300. They can hit some home runs, like you've said, like you've seen, 109 uh, so far this year. <clears throat> the pitching staff is good. The front end with the three starters, and then of course Chase Burns found a role at the back end. Uh, the bullpen's really good. So defense is getting a lot better too. So they've got all the parts to make a run here. You certainly see your fair share of good baseball in the SEC analyst role, Todd. Uh, is the league even better than you expected this season? Six of the seven top RPI teams in America residing in in one league. Yeah, but as you guys know, that's kind of become commonplace. The SEC has won four out of the last five national championships and should have won it in 2018. Arkansas was one 
out away, and that would have been by five different teams. So the parity's there in the conference. The SEC is the best baseball conference in the country, uh, and what Tennessee pulled last year, 25-5, and five, like was unprecedented. Of course, it didn't end the way uh, all the people in Knoxville would have hoped, but it, it, I, dare I say, they have a better chance this year, I think, than they even did last year, and so we'll see how this plays out. In, in your opinion, Todd, who's been the most pleasant surprise in the league and who's been the most disappointing? Oh, I would say Ole Miss is probably the most disappointing strictly because they won the national championship last year and they're not even going to make the uh, SEC tournament this year. So their season's over after this weekend. Uh, Mississippi State's a close second, but they have their own excuses. You know, I mean, they've just had a ton of injuries to the to the arms on those staffs and both teams lost their ace, and if you pull an ace off of anybody's club, it's going to change the dynamic of that group. And so Mississippi State and Ole Miss, I think, would be the disappointing ones. And, again, remember, Mississippi State won the national championship two years ago, so that's kind of strange how that played out. Um, and then I think, uh, you know, you always expect a lot from Florida, but I, I think they're, they've been a pleasant surprise. I mean, and, and the fact that they're now leading the East, they swept Vanderbilt to jump them in the East. Um, they're, they're always been very good, but to – to sweep the best team in the in the conference, which was statistically Vanderbilt, uh, and then hold the lead there, um, and probably be the best team in the SEC right now, Florida. Um, you know, I think that's pretty impressive. I want to go back to something you said, Todd, and I should have followed it up immediately. My apologies. You, you talked a little bit about you thought that this Tennessee team had as much opportunity as last year's to advance. What uh, uh, what what do you see in this team that makes you believe that? They had to fight for it and work for it. The team last year was so talented, and not that they didn't fight. We saw them, and, I mean, they had Moxie and they had all this other stuff going on, probably too much going on. Uh, and then they just ran into a buzzsaw there with Notre Dame, who had an odal group that were going to walk into Knoxville and not be really afraid. And, of course, uh, you know, won one of those first two games and came down to one game for the season for Tennessee, who was the number one team in the country, 25-5 in the conference, all this great stuff going on. And I think there was a little panic that went into the one game to decide your entire season, you know. This year's different, right? They had to find their own personality. They walked into Missouri thinking that that just because we're Tennessee, Missouri's going to lay down for us, and they didn't. And they had the same – we all can understand that because we felt the same way, right? I mean, how did Tennessee get swept by Missouri? And so Tennessee's kind of had to find their own identity, identity to this point, especially offensively. They lost so many parts from last year. But they've done it. Chase Burns, you know, happened to find a spot at the back end uh, where he's as good as anybody in the country now. And, wow, I mean, they've just they've just had to fight to get where they are now. Um, and they grind it out. And, uh, again, not that last year's team didn't do that, but I think there's such a thing as being too good. And I think that's played out over the history of the number one seed. And you guys may know this stat, but since 2000, not no, no number one seed has ever won the College World Series. 22 years, you know, take COVID out, COVID year out. Um, and there's something to that. But there is some history, especially over the last 10 years, of a team that did really well the year before and not win it. And then the next year's team gets it done. That's Vanderbilt 2013-14. That's Florida 16-17. and 17. That's Oregon State 17-18. and 18. So there's a ton of UCLA in 13, 12 and 13. So ton of examples of teams that were really good the year before and didn't win it but won it the next year. Matt, jump in here with Todd Walker. Yeah, t- just – with t- Tennessee's lineup kind of up and down season, what, who are the guys that, that you think will have to step up for this team, um, to, to make a deep run? 
Um, and, and is there maybe a kind of an un, unsung hero or, or, or guy that, that maybe doesn't get quite the recognition from, from the fans that he probably should? Well, it's a great question because in order to win championships, you've got to have the talent, of course, but you got, and you got to stay healthy, which is something Tennessee's doing so far. And, you know, knock on wood, hopefully they keep that up. But ultimately, you got to have guys do what you don't expect them to do. We won the national championship in 1993. A guy named Jim Greeley, our outfielder, had played kind of sporadically during the year. We get to Omaha, and this dude's hitting homers and triples and just going berserk. And then the guys that were expected to do things were doing it as well, and we won it in 1993 with LSU. And so to answer your question, I think Hunter Inslee would probably be that guy. I mean, I, I think he's a talented kid, starting to hit a few home runs. The numbers aren't great. But, you know, somebody that can really step up and do some damage. But the good thing about this offense now is they're good enough. So you don't need one guy to carry the load. I mean, you got four guys hitting over 300. You know, 109 home runs. I mean, you got one, two, three, four, five guys that have hit double-digit home runs. So one guy does not have to carry it. And that's huge in a lineup because now when I walk to the plate, I don't feel like i got to press or do something more than I'm capable. I can take a walk. And then the next guy can do get the job done, and that's what's good about a lineup that really doesn't have any weak outs. Yeah, just in kind of just the SEC overall. We, you know, we talked about Florida. Or would they be the SEC team that that you would give the best chance to to win a national title, given how they're playing and, and kind of the top end talent that they have? They have top end talent, but they can give up some runs. So they can get a lot of swing and misses, but they can give up some runs too. I mean, they're both they're uh, Brandon Sprout. And, uh, Hurston Waldrip, you know, can strike out some dudes, but man, I mean, both the ERAs are above four. I mean, you're four and a half, five. So it's not like Paul Skeen, you know, who's just wiping out the league. Um, when Paul Skeen's on the mound, I mean, he's as good as anybody in the country. LSU's got the, got to be the favorite with your question. But I'm telling you, I think it's Tennessee. I think it's, I think Tennessee has the best chance to win it just by the makeup of the team. I'm a big fan of Tony Vitello and what he does. And kids love playing for the guy. And that, that means a lot. I've been through times in my life when I played for coaches I didn't want to play for. And I didn't play well. I think he gets the max out of, out of his players. And I think they are just, Tennessee reminds me of the Coastal Carolina team in 2016 that won the whole thing. They just had every part. They had a good leadoff. They had, they had depth in the, in the lineup. They had starters that could get it done. They had bullpen pieces. They had a closer. Uh, just, they've got, Tennessee, not, it's never set in stone, right? There's no guarantee. But Tennessee's as set up as anybody in the SEC to win this thing because of all the parts they've got. Todd, are you as surprised as most Tennessee fans would be if they were honest uh, in the job that Tony Vitello and Frank Anderson have been able to do with Tennessee's program in a relatively short tenure? You'd like to say no because Tony Vitello and Frank Anderson are two of the best. But, of course, I mean, you know, Tennessee was always good, but they weren't ever competitive, you know, on the national stage, um, you know, year in and year out. Uh, now they have made that, that, that club, you know, competitive and some, something that everybody's talking about within the conference and within the country. And, uh, so the answer is yes. I am a little surprised in the short period of time that they've been able to get it done. But, you know, Tony Vitello was known as this big time recruiter, you know, and people love talking to him and he's got something to do with, you know, what he brings inside a house and what he can convince kids to do. And, um, and you're seeing it on the field. And I think for, 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 you know, the, the coaching staff that they have, uh, Elan, Josh Elander, you know, all the guys that they have, I mean, I just, 
you know, they're what they? they've only got 14 wins in the conference, but I think that's a good thing. You know, they got swept by Arkansas, they got swept by Missouri, but you know, they swept Vandy in Week Six, and again at that time Vanderbilt was the best team in the, in the conference. So it shows you a little bit of what's to come. Brian Hartman, jump in with Todd Walker. Yeah, just uh, give everyone a quick scouting report on South Carolina. What does Tennessee have to do this weekend? How uh, how likely? What do you think comes out? Who do you think wins that series? South Carolina's been scuffling, and, and, it's, and, it, and it's kind of the reverse. You would think you could go in and, and run them over, but it's almost probably the opposite. You're, you're, you don't wake the sleeping giant. You know, Will Sanders has been out there. Ace Noah Hall has been out there, number two. So they're move, they're losing one and two. I don't know if they'll be back for this last series. You can check on that. But Eli Jones started last week on Friday night for him, struck out ten. So I mean, he's a capable arm um, on the front end. Now these these rotations will be a little mixed up now because we're starting all these games on Thursday instead of Friday because the SEC tournament next week. So I don't know who South Carolina will actually throw on opening night. But Eli Jones is good. Jack Mahoney is good. Uh, their bullpen can match Tennessee. And they were bashing balls all over the place early in the season, but the offense has kind of been quiet lately. And that's what kind of will happen to just about anybody, both individually and as a team, as you go up and down as, you know, on this roller coaster ride. So I, I, I guess for Tennessee fans, they're hoping they keep South Carolina the way they've been playing, which is not great. So I, I think uh, Tennessee on the road, I mean, we all know that, that struggle. What are they, 2-11 and 11 on the road? Uh, I think the answer would be, Tennessee's got to pick it up. But, but again, that's what, why it's important to host a regional and a super. I think Tennessee's poised to be a top 16 national seed, which means they would host a regional there in Knoxville. I'm not sure they can climb into the, the top eight, even if they sweep South Carolina. But playing at home is a big deal, and especially it seems like for Tennessee, who does not have a good record on the road. And I think this is a big weekend for them, if for no other reason, to prove that, that they can play outside of Knoxville. Now, would, would you feel good about Tennessee's chances? Would you feel just as good if they had to go on the road for the regional and super regional to get to win the whole no. thing? Nope. So you're basing that on saying. them getting at home, get playing at home? Yeah, I, I think, I think uh, the regional is a big deal. Like, if you can host that regional at home, uh, they would probably most definitely have to travel for the super. Um, but that's why I'm really watching this weekend. If they get swept in South Carolina and now they're two and 14 on the road, then you don't like Tennessee's chances at all outside of Knoxville. But if they can go in there and win two out of three, now all of a sudden, even though that would make them what four and four and 12 on the road, you kind of like the idea that, Hey, and it's different, right? When you go on the road, kids do other things. They do different stuff. Uh, um, you're not sleeping in your own bed. It's just different. And the other team feels more comfortable at home, obviously. Um, so it's tough. Now, clearly, everybody has to travel to Omaha. And so, but at that point, I think the excitement and the, the overall you know, atmosphere takes over and everybody's on the road at that point. So it's kind of more even, even competition. But for Tennessee, they got to get through the super, I think. They're going to host a regional, I, I, I'm guessing, but they're going to have to get through the super to get there and, and do what I'm thinking they're going to do. Uh, how much work do they have left to do, do you think, Todd, to host a regional? If they win this series this weekend, they'll host a regional. I think, what are they, 23 RPI and 23 in the country? Uh, top 16 host a regional. So that clearly those numbers are outside of the 16. But I think their body of work, including that sweep of Vanderbilt, would, would, would let the committee uh, get them in that top 16 and host the regional in Knoxville. We know how exciting it is. Uh, I mean, it's a bunch of human beings sitting around a, a table. So all the numbers are great. But in the end, they're going to pick who they think can make the most money and who's going to generate the most excitement. And Tennessee and Knoxville clearly can do that. 
for a regional. And so I don't think they can get them all the way in the top eight, even if they swept South Carolina. But I think it's very doable to, to host a regional, and then you just go from there. Todd, would you like to see some of the MLB rule changes come over at, like, pitch clock, ban of the shift, incorporated by the college game, or you don't fix what ain't broke, guy? Well, they've done some of that, right? I mean, you got a pitch clock, and you got two and a half minutes, and the guy comes out of the pen, and they've got some things that they've done, but, you know, one of the things that's working against, you know, shortening games is how, how small the strike zone is this year, and that's why you've seen an uptick in offense. I mean, we've got offensive numbers that take us before the BB core era. I mean, it's crazy how much how many how much power and how much offense is generated by the country this year, mainly because of that. I mean, harder balls and the BB core bats are as strong as they, they've ever been, but ultimately it's the fact that the track man is taking, you know, watching these umpires and after games they get graded on the, the, the calls that they do, and they'd rather miss on the air of, of a strike than a ball, right? So if a ball is an inch outside, they're going to call it a ball, when in the past it was a strike. And so the, 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 the shortened strike zone, the smaller strike zone, has, has allowed for a lot of offense this year. And I think that's why you're seeing games kind of get longer than they would be otherwise. But, um, no, I, I think they're fine with all that. Now, the shift is a whole different story. We could talk for hours on that. I'm not a fan of the shift because you have to pitch to it, which you, most of the time when you watch people get in the shift, they don't. And an example of that would be a one-two count to a left-handed pull guy, and, and they shift over the right side. And then you throw a 97-mile-an-hour fastball inside when the ump, you don't know what the hitter's thinking. He's thinking off speed. And so he gets jammed. It goes to the left side, and he gets a base hit out of it. And I, I just I, I wonder about how the pitchers think about, you know, you deliver a pitch, ball's hitting the zone, they turn around where somebody should be, and they're not there. Because the coaches are making that call, not the pitcher. Coaches are making the shift calls. And you just worry about the psyche of a pitcher when that happens. You know, I, I'm a, I'm a, I, I guarantee you that's most pitchers, they tell you. Let's just play it the way it's always been played, and let me throw my pitches, you know. Jump back in here, Matt. Yeah, uh, just what do you what do you do as a hitter, knowing knowing you have the you know the smaller strike zone? Just how how much ag- more aggressive are you at the plate um, with with stuff that that is in the zone um, as as opposed to maybe before when you, you knew you could. You know, you had to kind of chase some things. Yeah, and it's a good question because I thought that yesterday. I was like, how would I have, have, have approached them at bat differently? And I don't think I would have. And what I meant by that was with two strikes, part of the two-strike approach is expanding the zone. So you choke up, you spread out on your stance, uh, you expand the zone, which means I'm not going to let that umpire call strike three on me. And I know I can get a base hit with a ball that's a few inches up or a few inches out or a few inches in. I can still get a base hit. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to expand the zone. So now when you know they're not going to call that pitch, I don't think I would have been a little more patient, you know, um, with two strikes. I think I still would have had the same approach. But it's kind of the opposite of what you said. I don't think you're very aggressive when you know these umpires aren't going to call a strike unless it's right down the middle. And so what the difference is early in the count, like strike one and that type of thing. And, and you're seeing a lot more hitters counts, two and oh, three and one, three and two, because early in the count, you know, those pitches that are right on the border, because a uh, pitcher's not going to throw it right down the middle to start in at bat. He's just not. He's going to try to hit his spot. And then it's ball one, ball two, and then eventually he has to throw it right down the middle. So early in the count is where you're seeing, uh, you know, the difference, I think, with these tighter strike zones. Hey, Todd, uh, LSU is is kind of the Tennessee of this year. There, there was a tremendously high bar set for them with their transfer portal success and 
what they had returning, so much so that some seem to view a team that's 17-9 and nine in the league and 39-12 and 12 overall as a mild disappointment. Well, there's a reason for that. So you got Paul Skeens that'll give you seven or eight innings, and, and he's not giving up a lot of runs. So in the first game, typically LSU's up eight to one. And so the bullpen doesn't, you don't really under, you don't really get exposed that way, you know, and they win game one. Ty Floyd will come out in game two and he'll strike out some dudes. I mean, he, he's got some swing and miss pitches throwing 96, 97, but he's only made it out of the sixth, three of the 11 starts that he's had. But, it, but he's six and oh. So what that tells you is Ty Floyd gives his team a chance to win when he comes out of the games. But what happens at that point is now the bullpen has to pick up four or five innings of that game. And then game three of a three-game series, you don't have a starter. And so you got to piece it together like you saw against Mississippi State this past weekend. So that's about 14 or 15 innings that LSU has to pick up with their bullpen alone. And they lost their two best right arms, Garrett, uh, Garrett Edwards and uh, uh, Chase Shores. They lost. If I, if I could come pick out two of, two of your best arms out of the pen, it's going to change the way you look uh, as a team. So they lost Edwards and Shores, and now they're relying on two freshmen and two left-handers uh, to kind of get the job done, and they're just not. And they've tried to get Thatcher Hurd going, who was a big product out of UCLA. You talked about the transfer portal success. They thought that was a successful grab, including Christian Little from Vanderbilt, both of them. And they both just hasn't. They just can't get it done. They've tried and tried, even up to this past weekend. They're trying to throw them out there, those two guys, and they just they just can't get it done. So you're relying heavily on a bullpen that's just not very good. So I, I would argue that Tennessee was far better than LSU last year uh, than this year. And so not that they can't, like you mentioned earlier, you can find somebody to step up. That's what Ole Miss did last year. But whether they do it or not is a different story. But right now the way it looks with LSU, good offense, good defense. Uh, they've, got, they've got two starters, and they, 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 the bullpen has just been rough. Todd, really appreciate your time and your insight. Where are you at this weekend? Going back uh, to the studio in Charlotte Thursday, Friday night, and then take off for Hoover on Sunday. And we'll be there all next week, man. So uh, it'll be a fun week next week in uh, Hoover. I, I, I really, really, really enjoy your insight and uh, and appreciate your time. So uh, have have a great weekend. Travel safe. And I gotta, I gotta add too. My daughter got accepted to Tennessee Law School, so we might become fans over there pretty soon. Oh, fantastic, Todd! Fantastic. Yeah, Riley. Riley becoming Walker, our so. favorite SEC analyst. Quickly no, becoming yeah, our, our favorite former second baseman who's an SEC analyst. You're, you're yeah, we're gonna move Chris Park down a notch and move you up, Todd. Yeah. Ho- hopefully, so you I'm gonna be keeping you guys live for the next three years. Hopefully. <laughs> Outstanding, Todd. Thanks again. We appreciate All right. you. All right, thank you. That was Todd Walker, SEC analyst. Great stuff uh, from both of our guests in the first hour. Hope uh, hope all the listeners enjoyed that. Uh, it was uh, it was time well spent, I believe. But uh, now it's wild, wild, y'all. From this point on, when we go into the second hour, we're going to take a top of the hour break, and we'll be back on the other side with more the Tuesday edition. Tony Basilio, spread the word and get the app at Tony for Android and iPhones. This is Terry Wilcox, a.k.a. The Chicken Man, a.k.a. T-Willie, and you're listening to 101.7 FM, WKOM, Columbia, Tennessee. 
At Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat, you can always count on us for a great selection of late model, low mileage, one owner vehicles. All have been thoroughly inspected and are ready to go. You can even save time and buy online with our online shopping tool. Looking to sell your vehicle? Great news! We're paying top dollar for your trade. All makes, all models, and in any condition. Trade in and trade up today. At Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat, you can count on us. Hi, Terry Tillis from Tillis Jewelry. When you think of diamonds, what do you think of? Rare, precious, timeless, sparkles like the sun. They are timeless and nothing like them on earth. Then do you think, where do I buy local to buy the perfect ring? Maybe a diamond pendant or earrings or maybe a new diamond band. Look no further. Tillis Jewelry carries all your diamond and jewelry needs. Stop by and see our wonderful collection. And remember, if you don't know your diamonds, know your jeweler. Tillis Jewelry, downtown Columbia. This is Dr. Dominic Mancini from the Dr. Gill Center. If your car was damaged in an auto accident, chances are you'd fix the car. Why wouldn't you give that same attention to yourself? Untreated whiplash injuries of the spinal column may lead to conditions such as headaches, numbness in the arms, neck and back pain. The doctors at the Dr. Gill Center specialize in detecting and treating such injuries from an auto accident. Accident consultations are free. Call me painfree.com or call 615-551-9224. In today's uncertain world, you can never be too careful about your family's financial future. That's why the Parker Group, a part of Barrett's Private Wealth Management, is offering a free second opinion on your financial plans. Let us review your current plan, and we will identify any gaps and offer suggestions to improve it. Please call the Parker Group at 931-548-3737. That's 931-548-3737. Robert W. Barrett and Company Incorporated does not offer tax or legal advice. Hi, Jimmy here for Columbia Ace Hardware. Columbia Ace Hardware now carries Magnolia Home by Joanna Gaines Paint. Now their premium quality and huge selection of colors will be right in your neighborhood. Along with the award-winning service and advice, Columbia Ace has always provided for your paint projects. Around the block, what you need in stock, with people who know their paint. Columbia Ace, the helpful place. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at tenpin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. Do you have trees that need trimming or removed? Do you have stumps that you want ground? A1 Tree Removal is a family-owned and operated business local to Columbia and Lewisburg and servicing surrounding Middle Tennessee. They are licensed and insured and provide free estimates. No job is too big, no tree is too small. Give old Luke a call or text Luke at 931-359-3113 or you can check them out on Facebook and tell A1 Tree Removal that you heard this ad on the radio. If you love America, you will love A1 Tree Removal. Each week on History's Hook, we'll be bringing you interesting and informative stories from the past in an effort to connect the history in our own backyard to the big events that compose national and world history. I'm your host, Tom Price. This is not your high school history class. We're going to make history fun and compelling. We're going to get you hooked. History's Hook with your host, Tom Price, Saturdays at 9 a.m. and 6 p.m., right here on WKOM 101.7 FM Front Porch Radio. Join us for a journey through time. 
All right, folks, let's get started. Parents, thanks for coming. As many of you know, I'm Coach Mather. Tonight I want to talk about the season, of which I only have one expectation, that everybody gets stronger. When I say get stronger, I'm not referring solely to physical strength. Sure, we'll be in the weight room, we'll be running stairs, but we're also going to focus on developing mental toughness and grit because those are the characteristics that allow us to achieve greatness both on and off the court. So how do we develop those things? By getting comfortable with a challenge, by cultivating the confidence necessary to overcome adversity in all forms. That's why I coach. That's my purpose. Every member of this team can lean on me, and I'll teach them how they can lean on themselves and each other. This message presented by the TSSAA and the Tennessee Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association. This is Jim Ross, and you are listening to Front Porch Radio, WKOM 101.7, located in Columbia, Tennessee. And we welcome you back, Hour 2, Tony Basilio Show, Tuesday edition. Uh, much appreciation to uh, both Tony Vitello and uh, Todd Walker. Uh, of course, you know Tony V's an outstanding guest, but... Uh, uh, I thought Todd Walker was really, really good on, on here as well. Those were good gets, Brian. Certainly appreciate that. And that's Wild Wild, y'all, 865-205-4-02. Get you in. You can talk about anything you heard yesterday, anything you heard from either of our guests today. Uh, the, uh, the Western Conference Finals begin tonight uh, with the Lakers and Nuggets going at each other. Uh, Tennessee Series coming up this weekend uh, in South Carolina, game with Belmont tonight. As uh, Coach Vitello said, uh, keep an eye on Twitter because that game time will probably be run up to earlier in the afternoon uh, so that they can get the game in and uh, get the work that they need midweek before uh, the final series of the SEC season. So 865-205-402, any and all of that, open game, whatever else is on your mind. Uh, okay, you can get you in know, touch with us. The game will start at 5 p.m. Tennessee Belmont. 5 p.m. Due to increased Boy, they chances. turned that around quick, didn't they? Yes. The gates will open at 4 due to increased chances of inclement weather in the area later tonight. So the gates will open at 4 o'clock, and the game first pitch will be around 5. Thank you, Brian. Good stuff. Good stuff. Let's get Sammy in here. Hello, Sammy. How you doing? How you doing, guys? We're doing good, Sammy. Good to hear from you. Well, my first question is for Matt Dixon. How long have you been psychic, Matt? Because you had two big-time guests on, and both of them said, that's a good question. I was just thinking that yesterday. I didn't know you had your finger on the pulse like that. Well, I I, I just swung the bat and somehow made contact twice. I got got really anxious in my day. <laughs> Did you well, say you or psycho, Sammy? Either one. Either one. Just stay out of my head, Matt. You, you won't like what you see there. But uh, <laughs> the thing about Todd Walker's interview that I really liked it gives me a little hope is he's a lot more positive about this team than I am. Now, I ain't down on this team, but they just, you know, lay that egg every two or three games, it seems like, especially on the road. But he knows a lot more about baseball than I do, so that's gave me a little hope today. What about you guys? Uh, yeah, I, I was somewhat surprised, Matt, uh, with how bullish he is on Tennessee and with the fact that he he thinks basically they're, they're going to host the regional. I I think they've got more work to do. Yeah, I think what I think they will. They, they'd have to sweep, wouldn't they, to host both? No, I think Matt Matt's 
more tied in this than I am, but I, I think if they win two out of three, uh, then they, they could possibly host it, you know, as long as they're not eliminated really quickly from the SEC tournament. Uh, what, what, what are your thoughts, Matt? And throwing that Kentucky, that, that Kentucky deal up there, uh, that we found out about yesterday that their field may be taken up for high school state tournament play. Well, will that have anything to do with Tennessee possibly wrestling a, uh, a, a regional uh, spot away? Yeah, I, I, I think if they get to 16 league wins, which would be winning two out of three this weekend, that should put them in position to host. Um, they'd be right on, right on the border, but I, they'll probably get the benefit of the doubt. Uh, but, but they definitely need 16, 16 league wins before they go to Hoover, um, which is, is doable. Um, I would probably bet against that, but uh, it, it's certainly possible. What about that, uh, that Lexington, the, the, whatever their stadium's name is, it's going to be taken up for a state high school baseball tournament, right? During, Ken- during the time when the regional's going to be played. Kentucky Proud Park, Bino. Yeah, Kentucky Proud Skate Park. No wonder I forgot Skate that. Park. Go ahead, Matt. No, that's that's really interesting. I, I want you would think they. Well, I don't know how you could move that at this late. So, Kentucky could be one of these the, these rare times where they're a one seed, but they're actually playing on the road. Um, I think it happened during COVID uh, at one regional and. I think uh, Chris Burke's team in 01 was actually the two seed in their own regional when Wake Forest was the one. So that that could be a possibility for Kentucky, which I, I think playing in their own park is actually a really big advantage for them because they play that small ball stuff and you can't rely on home runs like the majority of teams do. Now, could they just not have that regional move to somewhere like Louisville or somewhere close to them where they're still – Well, why, why, would Lu- why would Louisville help Kentucky out at well, all? Well, I know Lexington's got a minor league park. You know, you think they, if they had the chance to host, they would even try to, or maybe there's a law that, or a bylaw that says it has to be on a campus. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know that either, Sammy. And one more question for Matt. Uh, Matt, what's up with tears? Last time I, I've just not been keeping up with it because I've, you know, been busy and stuff, but last time I seen him, he knocked the cover off the ball off the batter's eye in the Vanderbilt series, and I just seen him since. Well, he, he got hurt. Um, I think he had two separate injuries um, that he's been working his way back from. And then okay. Merritt's kind of emerged, and, and Dylan Drowling's been the first option as a pinch hitter. Uh, so I, I would assume you'll see tears probably tonight and, and this weekend with Dickey, I assume, not playing at least in the field. Um, and I wouldn't expect him to play at all tonight. But I, I think you'll see tears. Um, coming on, um, the, their problem, and, and we've mentioned it before, they have too many left-handed bats, and yeah, um, with and, he, and even Merritt, even though he's a right-hander, he actually hits right-handers better than left. So there's just, huh. you know, kind of he's just in the pecking order of, of left-handed uh, guys against right-handed pitching. He's he's falling behind uh, Merritt and Dryling right now, um, and him, him and Dryling, neither of them have gotten a hit off a lefty. Uh, this year, so they're kind of you know they don't they don't just don't get plate appearances in those spots. Just situational. Well, guys, good show. I appreciate y'all taking my call. Sammy, always great to hear from you. Take care down there in enemy territory. Eight six five 
200-5402. We'll get you on with us. Uh, We had a uh, guest-intensive first hour, and this hour is all yours if if you choose to participate, and we we would love for you to. Anything stick out to you, Matt, uh, in our interview with uh, Coach Vitello? Um, no, just mainly the, the stuff with, with Drew Beam is interesting. Um, I, I sounded like he said he thought he, he appeared distracted. Um, so that, that's interesting. And that's two bad starts in a row, which, you know, that's kind of what happened to him last year down the stretch. Um, you, you hope that's not the case again this year. Um, but, but, if if that is, you, luckily you you have Seth Halverson who might be able just to switch spots with him. But no, I, I not a whole lot surprising that Vitella just just again he he was very open and honest with this, uh, which I guess without Tony we could, we could have some some serious baseball discussion. In in code, Matt, my my question to him about lineup stability. Uh, and staff stability at this point of the year what was kind of would you consider at this point of the year uh, a change uh, in in the spot and rotation and and I'm not suggesting that after two bad starts that that should be that should be what they do but uh, you know the stretching out of Halverson was kind of interesting although I'm sure that has more to do with extra pitchers that you need uh, when you go uh, final series, SEC tournament, regional tournament. You you always seem to have to have a starter in there at some point uh, that you haven't used to that point on the weekend. Yeah, 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 because you're going to – you could potentially play five or six games in, in a week span, uh, and, you know, you got to – most of these guys don't pitch more than once a week, especially the starters. So, Halverson, uh, of course, K- Candom Sewell's done that uh, really two years in a row in the SEC tournament versus Florida. So, yeah, and you, you can never have too much pitching. Um, that's and that's the key. You, that's what really that's that's what you hope Tennessee is able to take advantage of in the postseason is their pitching depth. That 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 does become a factor in games because I I would match Tennessee's, you know. Just, the high end ability and the the depth with just about any staff in the country. Uh, I thought the bright spots over this past weekend, Matt, uh, looking at looking ahead, were Haverson's performance and our improved defense. Uh, um, not as many defensive gaps out there, I, and I, I thought some of the uh, and also Chase Burns continuing to look like a guy that could go out there and close out a game for you, whether you need it to be three outs or three innings. Um, and the the things that I'm a, I'm still concerned about, of course, Blake Burke, uh, the way he's swinging the bat, and Camden Sewell's outing wasn't uh, encouraging either. No, it, it, it wasn't. And, you know, I, I, just personally, I, I don't like when they bring him in um, in the middle of an inning with, with traffic because he's kind of a rhythm pitcher, and it usually takes him about five or ten pitches to to get in a groove. So, you know, I, I don't think that's a great spot to put him in. But, no, he, he definitely struggled. Um, you know, Burns, 
you know, he's such a weapon now that you can use him out of the pen for, you know, I think they said 45 pitches is kind of the target with him. Um, and his ability to get strikeouts was huge. That, you know, I think he had back to back strikeouts with at least two guys on in, in a high leverage spot. And that really, that's the only thing the last year's team was missing was just that, that high strikeout guy at the back end, um, in big spots. Um, and, and Burns certainly has that. And that's, such an asset and, and huge weapon um, going forward. Yeah, for a first round uh, potential first round draft choice to be willing to do that uh, says a whole lot about him to me, Matt. Uh, let's get Freddie in here. Hello, Freddie. Hi, man. How we doing, Freddie? Boy, I know one thing. After those two analysts you had on there today, everything else seems like uh, little league baseball here. From from people like me, goodness gracious! You think those two guys know any baseball? Yeah, I think they know a little bit of baseball, Freddie. You know, I reading between Vitello's lines about Halverson, I almost heard him say, "Well, we were watching him physically. We were going to stretch him out as far as we could because we're going to need him in the tournament, and even if he." Gets touched up at the end, good, because that means he'll have he'll have a case of the well, you know what, the red, you know what, and he'll come in here throwing smoke next time we got it. Yeah, that that's kind of what I got out of him too, and I, you know, they they know their pitchers, they they know their mindset, and uh, I'm I, I'm impressed that Tony doesn't bristle. Uh, when we obviously ask about leaving pitchers out there too long, because that's that's been that's been my pet peeve uh, with uh, with both he and Frank Anderson. I think we've done that in the past, but I thought he explained it about as well as it could be explained. And and Todd Walker said a little something that kind of piqued my interest a little bit that I maybe hadn't been paying enough attention to is the umpires squeezing the strike zone so much. You know, that may be the difference between what Dolander's doing and some of these other precise pitchers that are always out there on the corners. Well, you can throw high heat too, but maybe just that squeezing them one pitch per batter is making a huge difference. Uh, you know, Freddie, I was uh, I, I was glad to hear Todd Walker say that because as I've watched games this year, college games, uh, I, I do think that the strike zone has been tighter than we've seen in the past, and I I think he's right in that they're they seem to be less willing if they're if they're going to if they're going to miss uh, they're they're going to miss. Uh, Basically, not calling strikes that may not be strikes. Well, uh, the other thing is, uh, it is so hard to win, you know. And I thought, I thought Walker had, he obviously did his homework because he named about five teams that actually won it the year after they should have. You know, I think back to Major League Baseball, the Big Red Machine through the 70s, as people compared them to the 27 Yankees, you know that team only won two World Series. 
Now, I say only two, but they were by far the best team in baseball for probably a decade. And uh, I don't know, maybe we do get on a little roll here. Uh, one thing I want to touch on just a second, I know you, you've got callers. Uh, the other thing about baseball is, and, and Matt being a baseball fan know, uh, expert knows this, you win three out of five in baseball, you get a raise. You win two out of five, you get a pink slip. So there's just just a little edge right there that maybe we go over that. I, I want to touch on the – did y'all read the story about the NCAA in the betting that was in the paper this week? I did. You know, I, I realized that the Alabama coach was up there or, or had called a bed or whatever, had a person do it at uh, Great American Ballpark, but – the thing that the NCAA said was NCAA athletes and members of athletic departments may not bet on any sport sponsored by the NCAA at any level. Now, I read that and I thought, well, that makes sense. But it, then it says, which also prohibits gambling on professional sports. Now, you tell me if one of our baseball players, and they give an example of a guy betting on an NBA guy. And the NCAA can take that baseball player's eligibility way or whatever they're going to do because he bet on the pro basketball guy. Now, in this modern day of tapping your phone a couple times and making a bet, how in the world? The NCAA doesn't have authority to tell an American citizen what they can or can't do that's not related to their own endeavor, do they? Well, I, I I think they're treading on real thin ice there, Freddie. Uh, when it's now legal, <laughs> to do what they're doing. It, what about a horse race? Can they if they go up Churchill Downs? Can they can they lose their eligibility? That's another. Story. I heard Tony say, and I don't know if this is correct, that they can bet on horse races. Uh, but if they can bet on horse races, I can't understand why they can't bet uh, on. Uh, NFL games, NBA games, uh, pro professional sports. I, I don't understand. Well, I saw where the A's going to build their ball field on the old Tropicana casino site there on the strip. Five years from now, that'll be a casino that'll have a baseball game going on. Is what that'll be. So the NCAA, I don't know, guys. I really appreciate it. I know you got a lot of callers. Come on, boss. Bye. Appreciate you, Kyle. Freddie, 865-200-5402. Brian, we got anybody? Let's take a second break, and then I'll tell you on the other on the other side. So All right, leave hang good. right there. We'll We're going to take, we'll take another quick break. We'll be back on the other side with more of the Tony Basilio Show. Spread the word and get the app at TonyBasilio.com for Android and iPhones. This is Big Lou Maddox, and you're listening to the best radio in southern Middle Tennessee, WKOM 101.7 FM, Columbia. 
Hi, I'm Robert Rogers at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. And I'm Michael Parks Lawrence at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. Together, we're Mr. Bobby Parks' grandsons, and we run his dealership, and we are glad to be part of our local community. Being family-owned and operated, we invest heavily in our community. We do things like sports teams, schools, bands, you name it. We try to help everybody we can. The reason why we do this is because we all love this community. So come do business with us, your neighbors, at Parks Motor Sales in Columbia, Tennessee, right off Nashville Highway, or at ParksMotorSales.com. Hello, I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. You may have heard our previous commercials about compression hosiery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. 388-4233. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the drywall that somehow isn't. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Hi, this is Steve, the Garbage Man. Y'all have heard me talk in the past about Packer, our mascot dog. Well, I have some sad news about Packer. She recently crossed over the Rainbow Bridge to join our other beloved pets of the past. Packer lived out her final days on our farm in Water Valley. She had a great 14 years of life after being rescued by Don from being thrown away as a pup in someone's garbage. Rest in peace, Packer. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole barn. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Hello, my name is Connor Mims. My wife Bradley and I live in Columbia, Tennessee in Riverside. I am a deck and porch builder and my wife is a second grade teacher at Riverside Elementary. My specialty is designing and building elegant and comfortable porches and decks. Let me work with you to design and build the porch or deck of your dreams. Give us a call today from our website, MimsModernLandscape.com. That's MimsModernLandscape.com and check out what we have to offer. Thanks. This is Laurie Cole, Executive Director with Pay Grace Forward. We are a community solution to predatory lending. We help people in Murray County who are trapped in payday and title loan debt. We do this through financial mentoring, followed by low interest grace loans. To see if Pay Grace Forward can help you or to volunteer with our organization, please visit our website at paygraceforward.org or call 931-548-6797.
Have you heard the news? The Big Yellow School Bus with your host, Jack Cobb, with Murray County Public Schools has a new day and time. Hop on the Big Yellow School Bus Saturdays at 10 a.m. right here on WKOM 101.7 FM to hear all about what's happening in and around Murray County Public Schools. The Big Yellow School Bus with Jack Cobb and friends on Front Porch Radio, Saturdays at 10 a.m. on WKOM 101.7 FM. Tint on Wheels is changing their Columbia location. You can now visit us at 406 South James Campbell Boulevard, the same window tinting you've trusted for over 30 years on all types of windows, car, business, or residential. We now offer accessories to elevate your ride. It's only getting bigger and better. With three locations, Columbia, Lewisburg, and Lawrenceburg, we do our best for you. Summer's coming. Let's get you ready. Call 931-619-TINT today. Fast-paced health provides easy access to quality care close to home. The streets you live on are the streets we live on. We're part of the baseball games and Main Street parades. Your community is our community, and it's our mission to provide you with quick, convenient, and affordable health care. We're here for the injuries and illnesses, the preventative treatments, the chronic conditions, and so much more. Fast-paced health. Reserve your spot in line today. Fast-paced health is now open at 600 South James M. Kimball Boulevard. Have you noticed bad behavior has become normalized at interscholastic athletic events? Some fans seem angry. They lack civility toward one another. Some even get aggressive and unruly. Time out! What is going on? This has to stop. Let's not forget, school sports aren't just about winning. And they're definitely not an excuse to take your frustrations out on the official or the opponent. They're about teaching lessons like perseverance, respect, and empathy so students can learn and grow as people, not just as players. We all have a role to play in setting a good example for our students and teaching them these important values. So fans, it's time to step up your game and behave positively at Interscholastic Athletic Events in Tennessee. This message presented by the TSSAA and the Tennessee Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association. This is Jack Cobb with Murray County Public Schools and the Big Yellow School Bus. You're listening to Front Porch Radio on 101.7 WKOM in Columbia, Tennessee. And we welcome you back. Tony Cilio Show. Tony B is uh, still celebrating uh, the graduation tour here. And uh, uh, we've congratulated Anthony. Congratulations to Kaylee. She's getting ready to uh, get her engineering degree from the University of Tennessee and uh just a fantastic week for the Basilio family. We all celebrate with them and with you and yours, uh, all the graduates out there. 865-205-402. Get you online with us. Wild, wild, y'all, the rest of the show. So load those lines up before I go get Lee and Titans Bill. Uh, Brian, throw out once more the information about Tennessee's baseball game start time against Belmont tonight and also, uh, the, uh, the ticket price information for the weekend in Columbia. Tonight's game with Belmont will start now at 5 o'clock Eastern. The gates will open at 4 due to expected inclement weather later on this evening. So 5 o'clock first pitch. The gates will open at 4 this afternoon for Tennessee's last regularly scheduled home game of the season. And this weekend in Columbia, go to StubHub, and you can get in Thursday and Friday night for less than 20 bucks. Tickets on StubHub are going for uh, you know some 16, some some even under 15 and for the saturday game you can get in for 
less than 25 bucks, somewhere between 20 and 30. So that should tip some to maybe make the drive down to Columbia for the weekend, for Thursday, Friday, maybe Saturday. Yeah, let's put some orange in that place, and they'll love that. Those Carolina fans will love it if a bunch of orange shows up down there. Let's get Lee in here. Hello, Lee. Hey, what is going on, fellas? Thanks for holding this. Lee, time. how you doing, man? Guys. Thanks for the call. Uh, doing well, man. Staying busy today, man. I appreciate you guys being on. My tone's gone, man. So, you know, you're, you're no talking problem. about kind of the ref squeeze or the umpire squeezing Dolander, and obviously, I don't think that's just Dolander. That's college college baseball in general that the balls and strikes calls just drive me crazy you know i was having this conversation over the weekend i actually went to a minor league game last week and the game i went to happened to have they were using the automatic balls and strikes um the artificial intelligence and it was actually really really good like i i liked it a lot <laughs> and i really wish college baseball would look into that <laughs> because the inconsistencies with balls and strikes in college is just infuriating at times. Um, but I think that's something they need to look into because it works really well. I, I was surprised so, that I liked it as much as I did. Lee, tell me, I, I've never seen that. Tell me a little bit about it. So basically you've got uh, you've got an umpire that's out there, correct? And do they yeah, tell him the what the are, – are you with yeah. me, Lee? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, so he's still behind the plate, and he's basically the call comes in, striker ball. He signals striker ball, but it's the call's being made by with the artificial intelligence, and it flashes on the on the scoreboard. Balls or strikes. Now each team can gets like three challenges a game. Basically, if you don't agree with one of the calls, you can challenge it, and the challenge happens in like ten seconds. It gets really really fast. If anybody's ever watched tennis, you see like a tennis challenge where they immediately flash it on the screen and they show where the ball hit. That's exactly how it works. It goes by, it goes really fast, and the game moves along. <laughs> like, it, it keeps the game moving a lot. And I, I think it's a really good idea for college baseball. Yeah, just given the inconsistencies that I see a lot of the times watching college baseball with balls and strikes. So you can challenge AI without getting tossed? <laughs> yeah, you, you can. You can argue balls okay. and strikes. <laughs> but, but um, but anyway, I want I just want to I wanted to bring something up. And listen, I know I'm in the I'm in the minority here. Uh, uh, apparently, this from everything that I've heard. But I don't I don't like this. I I still I'm not in favor of Chase Burns coming out of the pen, guys. Like I, I can see this coming a hundred miles away. <laughs> you're you're risking getting eliminated in a tournament where you don't fire your best bullet. You you want to lose? You might lose. Uh, the first game where you don't use them, now you're in an elimination game. What, what happens if you get down 3 nothing, 4 nothing? You don't bring him in and let him pitch a couple innings? Not that those innings aren't important if he can keep a, keep a deficit at three or four runs or something like that. But this team doesn't come back from a, from a, uh, a deficit like one time all year long. You're, you're risking getting eliminated and then looking back and going, we, we only use Chase Burns for a couple innings in low leverage situations. Now, I know he pitched over the weekend. It was a high-leverage situation. Like, I get it, and he looks good doing it right now. But this is not what the kid was born to do. It's not what he was bred to do. He's done well. He's done all right. He's done well in it so far. There's no guarantees he's going to step in the most important situation of the season, and he's going to lock this down. Um, if his stuff is that good, where 
it's just this this huge weapon. He needs to be starting the games. Um, it's just my opinion. I, I like I I can I have a bad feeling about this. I don't like going into the end of a season and playing going into tournament baseball where you start getting cute with your pitcher roles. Like I said, I, I know why I know why they're doing it. Um, I know Chase is fine doing it for now, um, but it's just my opinion. I I would much rather have him starting games um, with the stuff that he has. Uh, it's it's interesting, Lee. Matt, um, it, it looks like to me uh, that this is uh, a short-term role for him just for the remainder of this year. I'll be stunned if he isn't back starting next year. And I, I understand your point, Lee, uh, but he, he, was, he was just struggling at the point uh, where they, they replaced him, and he happened to fall into this role and be very good at it. Matt, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, he, he's really effective, um, and I, I do agree he'll be their their day one starter next year. Um, my my only concern with trying to move him back into the rotation would be they've spent the last couple of weeks kind of gearing him up to to be a reliever where he's only throwing you know forty or fifty pitches and kind of just going mat you know max maxing out with the, each throw. And I don't know if if they wanted to move him back into a starting role how that would affect him there. But I, I do agree he's he he's such a weapon that they can use out of the bullpen, but you are running the risk of, of not being able to use him in a spot to close out games. Um, but, you know, I really I don't know what they're going to do with their rotation. I've, I've been quietly wondering, if, are they going to just leave Lindsey in the, in the game one role throughout the postseason? Are they going to give Dolander that back? Or, and then, of course, now Bean's recent struggles – you know, I, I think their rotation's really kind of up for grabs going into the postseason, and we'll have to wonder how much the coaches want to want to tinker with that. Yeah, that, that's my biggest that's my biggest concern with the team right now. And I'm not and I'm not trying to come across like overly negative because I, I, trust me, guys. Like a month ago, I thought this team was like mentally just cooked. Like I think it's remarkable like what they've done to turn this around um, and to be playing as good as ball as they are. Like I, I mean, I think it's great. But my biggest concern right now is the fact that I feel like the rotation is. No, nobody really kind of knows what's going on. Like there's there's questions with Bean. Like we're talking about like Halverson maybe maybe starting, and it's I, I don't know. That that's my biggest concern right now is how this whole pitching thing is going to shake out. I mean I, I'm going to trust that they're going to make the right decisions. I think Matt's right. Like you've been, if you've been training Chase for the last three weeks or four weeks to get him ready to only throw 40 pitches, then I get it. Like I'm still not in favor of the idea though. I just it, part of me thinks just you know you dance with the guys that brought you there. Um, and, and you see what happens, but I just I'm so worried we don't get to use him, and we end up getting eliminated, and we only use him in a couple of innings in low leverage situations. And you're looking back, and you're just shoot, you're just beating yourself up for it. It's uh, it's certainly thought provoking, Lee. It's not uh, there, there's nothing wrong with questioning that type of thing. That's uh, that that's what's great about baseball. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I mean, and, I th- and don't get me wrong. I think he's going to do. I think he's fine coming out of the pen. Like I think he's going to be. I think he's going to do his job. I think he's going to do really well coming out of the pen. What? What? what I just hope the situation presents itself to where they're, they're high leverage, meaningful innings. When when I look at when I look at what we're doing, um, I kind of question how little we're using Russell. Uh, I, I I just think right now. He may be their best pitcher out of the bullpen. Um, I, I and, think and so, I'd like to see him so. get an advan- I'd like to see him get an expanded role. I know they got a lot of arms, 
and I understand that, but I'd like to see him get a little yeah. bit of expanded growth. Uh, I mean, it's a it's a problem that I'm sure a million other teams would like to have, given you know the the stable of pitchers that they have. So, in a way, it kind of feels like nitpicking, but at the same time, I also feel like it's something that could could bite them down the road. But anyway, I'm just glad they turned this thing around, man. Because like I said, I thought this team was just dead. I thought they were cooked. <laughs> so uh, I'm glad that, that they're playing the kind of ball that they're playing right now. So I appreciate you, Lee. Thank you, man. Uh, hey, boys. And I, I was, uh, Matt, I was exactly the same way. I, uh, at, before Vandy came in here, uh, I didn't think this team had the makeup or the moxie to get off the deck. And they've, they've proven me to be dead wrong, and I, I couldn't be happier about it. Yeah, and it all started that, that Friday night versus Vandy with that comeback, which, you know, as Lee said, was is their only, only comeback win of the season. Um, and without that one, which is kind of improbable there in the ninth, um, you go on that nine game winning streak and you turn it all around. Um, if you, if you lose that game, you put, you know, you almost certainly lose that series. And I think you probably do go into a little bit of a tailspin, um, where you're, you're fighting just to make Hoover, but they've, they're fighting now to potentially host. And it's been a really nice turnaround and it's just, you know, one of those things that you, it's just a long baseball season and you just hope, you hope the majority of your guys are, are kind of playing well or pitching well at the end. Um, cause that's, that's almost always what, what wins is, is who's playing the hottest and it's not who's the best. Let's get Titans Bill in here. Hello, Titans Bill. Hello, B. Hello, Bino. How you doing? I'm doing good, Titans Bill. I hope you are as well. Did we lose Titans Bill, Brownie? Titans Bill, go ahead. Let's Titans go to, Bill uh, call back, Brian. Brian, Brian, did you mute him? Absolutely. Did you blow not. him up, Brian? Let's go to Don, and we'll start, try to get Titans Let's get Bill Don running. in here. Hello, Don. Hello, guys. How you doing? Well, doing all right. Just got this ankle propped up. I'm trying to do as much as I can on iPad. <laughs> but, <laughs> all you can do. Time's, time's all you can do on that. Yeah, I did graduate from the cast to a boot Friday, so. <laughs> oh, that's but good. That's a step. That's good. I got to get to UT Saturday. Uh, Bino, you're a UT grad, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. My, they probably don't want that out there, Don, but yes, I am. Well, my oldest grandson's graduating Saturday up there and with a double major and a 4.0. Outstanding. So I'm not bragging about him everywhere I can. Uh, Absolutely. Congratulations. Uh, thanks, sir. Yeah, uh, been listening to the show for the last hour or so. Um, got to listen to a little bit of Tony V and them, uh, breaking it down. Um, you know, baseball's just a, just a weird game. Uh, they, you know, like we just talked about yesterday, you go out and you score 20 runs in two games, 10 apiece, and then you get beat 10 to nothing the next. And you're like, how did this happen? And how did our pitching staff? <laughs> get blown up like that but uh i i don't know i think we could go in and i know tony has said so uh in some of his blog but this thing could go not get flushed out and right out the door or they might be in omaha uh they're gonna have to do a little better on the road if they're planning on going to omaha right uh ab- absolutely and you'd hope it would start this weekend don but with 
you know, as, as a lot of people have said, uh, when you have as many arms as they have, uh, as many options, uh, as they have, uh, you, you've always got a chance and they do yep. seem to be, um, to be doing the little things better. They do seem to be fielding the ball better, not get, not giving teams as many extra outs. And, uh, for the most part, they cut back some, uh, on, on the base running errors as well. And those, those were two yeah. things that you had to eliminate uh, if you were going to uh, if you're going to make any type of run in the postseason. You know, one thing I did notice, especially in the first couple of games, we were eliminating their base runners, either throwing them out or kids from in rundowns and stuff. And a little better than I've seen all year, uh, to my recollection. That's better than I've seen it all year, or picking them off first. Uh, but uh, so that helped, obviously. Um, just you know, you never know. When, I mean, when Merritt comes up, obviously Dicky tears uh, drilling. You know, you may you may get a, a home run, a grand slam. You may get you know nothing. Uh, I was surprised Sunday to see Inslee, Merritt, and everybody just all crash and burn on the same day. But, I mean, I watch, you know, uh, pro baseball. You know, I watch the Braves. You know, a couple of weeks ago they had the best start in their history. And next thing you know, they turned around and lost four games in a row. So, yeah, you just, you know, base, baseball's a weird game like that. Hey. But uh, that's why they play so many games, I guess, to, you know, weed it out and get down to the thing and find out who it is. But, yeah, you've always got the old Miss thing, you know, barely creep into the tournament even the SEC tournament walk away with the trophy. So it's uh, it's weird. I'll switch up one thing, and you guys might have touched on it before I got on. I see that our uh, offensive lineman uh, that was took 10th in the draft become a pretty big, good-sized millionaire today or yesterday whenever he signed that contract. Uh, go from a, probably a somewhat struggling uh, UT Student financial, I talked about to a twenty-one million dollar man overnight, so that's not bad. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's well earned. There, he's uh, uh, a kid that uh, probably uh, played better than most of us gave him credit for early on, but just stuck with it and kept kept coming. Just a a better player, a better player, a better player. Yeah, I was even reading one. I don't know who this guy was talking about. Not only. Talk about him being, you know, the second offensive lineman took and tenth of the draft, uh, tenth, yeah, number tenth. That he thought he could possibly turn out to be the best player in this draft but overall, any player, any position. That's that's pretty strong right there. Good for Darnell, paid his dues, and uh, it's uh, it's paying him back. Good, sure is. Well, guys, I'll just get off. I just want to kind of touch on there a little bit about the baseball talk. One thing I know, Bino, if you're on there, especially if you're subbing for Tony, we're going to get to talk a lot of baseball. You know, it's amazing, and he mentioned it, I think, on the show the other day. Three years ago, the idea that the, the, the daily show would be totally consumed with baseball is this shows you, you know, you get the right people in place, the right personnel in place, the right coaches in place, and uh, everybody's got their faults with people like 
uh, Danny White is there. Man, you cannot look at this athletic program where it is today versus two years ago and not just, you know, be ecstatic, correct? Oh, yeah, it's just amazing uh, the the all-sports turnaround that we've seen here, Don. I'm, I'm just thrilled. I, I never thought I would see it again, to be quite honest. So uh, I'm, I'm elated with uh, with what we're seeing uh, all across the board at the University of Tennessee. It's There's something interesting and successful to talk about just about throughout. Uh, oh, yeah, you can go golf, tennis. You got it all. So. Anyhow, guys, I'll jump off and let you uh, get some other people in. Thank you, Don. We're going to take our last break of the day. Uh, just be a quick one. We'll be back on the other side with the conclusion of the Tuesday edition Tony Vasilio Show. This is Big Lou Maddox, and you're listening to the best radio in southern Middle Tennessee, WKOM 101.7 FM, Columbia. Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram thanks St. Jude Children's Hospital for their admirable work. We are committing to their cause of providing quality care to families in need at no cost to them by donating $150 for every new vehicle sold. Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram is proud to partner with St. Jude for the fourth consecutive year. If you are currently in the market for a new vehicle, visit the team in-store or shop online at ChryslerDodgeJeepRamOfColumbia.net to help families protect what matters most. You can count on us. Hello, this is Rick Tillis from Tillis Jewelry. What is a full-service jeweler? Experienced staff, custom designers, in-house jewelry repairs, and beautiful jewelry. Yes, at Tillis Jewelry, we are passionate, knowledgeable, and committed to integrity. We strive to be the best in our community and in our profession. We build long-term relationships and become part of family traditions that will cross generations. We delight clients by providing an unparalleled selection, superior service, and exceptional value. Tillis Jewelry, we exceed your expectations. Do you suffer from knee pain? Is it painful to walk or perform your day-to-day activities? If so, we have great news at the Dr. Gill Center. We can relieve your knee pain fast and easy with no downtime and no surgery. The FDA has approved a new non-surgical treatment for knee pain, and it's covered by most major insurance, including Medicare. This treatment has helped millions of people across the nation. Call today to see if you qualify for a free consultation and get back to a pain-free life. 615-551-9224. Brown's Body Shop has two locations to provide your vehicles with high-quality body and frame repairs, the best paint jobs, and custom body fabrications. Brown's Body Shop has been successful for more than 50 years because of their highly trained personnel, competitive prices, superior customer care, and timely service. Don't put off body repairs or that custom paint job at Fenders. Go to Brown's Body Shop today, 1505 Nashville Highway in Columbia, the 129 Alpha Drive in Franklin. Looking for convenience? Try Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Murray County, Southern Middle Tennessee, and North Alabama. Whether stopping in on your way to work for coffee and a biscuit, taking a plate lunch to go, or grabbing something cold to drink after a long hot day at work, there's always one nearby. Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Southern Middle Tennessee and North Alabama. Proudly serving Shell Gasoline. 
Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at 10pin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. This is Mark Curry at the Trailer Store. We are a local, family-owned business. Every day, I work with my wife, Susie, my mother, Becky, and my son, Justin. We offer a full line of lawnmower trailers, utility trailers, stock trailers, and a full line of trailer parts. We also offer service. Come see us at 1021 New Lewisburg Highway. Call us at 931-381-2795. That's 931-381-2795. Hey, this is Trip Stoltz, owner and manager of Columbia Ace Hardware. Spring is here and we are ready. We carry a full line of steel, echo, and chindawa yard equipment. We also have a great selection of grass seed, fertilizer, and garden supplies. With the most knowledgeable sales staff in Southern Middle Tennessee, come check us out at 112 East James Campbell Boulevard, Columbia, Tennessee. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. Coach, baseball is back, and WKRM 103.7 is excited to bring you coverage and sponsorship options for this 2023 season. That's right, Taff, and this year our advertising partners had the option to sponsor our live Little League coverage, Atlanta Braves coverage, or a combo package that carry both of them. This area loves baseball, and what a great way to support the community by helping us bring coverage of our Little League, but also taking a moment to promote local businesses. People are crazy about the Atlanta Braves. Whoa, 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 whoa. There's something special and timeless about baseball radio broadcast. There sure is. So visit Front Porch Radio TN and click on the blue Advertise With Us button for more information about how your company can sponsor baseball of all kinds this season with WKRM. Each week on History's Hook, we'll be bringing you interesting and informative stories from the past in an effort to connect the history in our own backyard to the big events that compose national and world history. I'm your host, Tom Price. This is not your high school history class. We're going to make history fun and compelling. We're going to get you hooked. History's Hook with your host, Tom Price, Saturdays at 9 a.m. and 6 p.m., right here on WKOM 101.7 FM Front Porch Radio. Join us for a journey through time. This is T. Willie. I have got our good friend, Mr. Miles Johnson, on the phone from Foodland. Miles, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Now, every week you have some amazing, amazing uh, deals, and they always um, usually run through till next Tuesday. So what do you got for us this week? We have the weekly sale, which has whole ribeye for $5.99 a pound, turnip or collard greens, 99 cents a bunch, and Coca-Cola 24 packs, ten ninety nine. Wow, that's pretty good. And as always, Miles, uh, you're located right there at 427 West 7th Street. Open seven days a week, of course, 7 a.m. till 9 p.m. And we appreciate uh, you letting us know every week what's going on. And uh, you got a great store, great staff, and we look forward to visiting with you again next week. So you have a great night, a great day, and we'll talk to you next week. Alrighty, thank you. Thank you, Miles. Again, that's Miles Johnson, Foodland, right there, 427 West 7th Street, and they're open seven days a week, 7 a.m. till 9 p.m. Make sure you check them out. 
the NASCAR Cup Series. Willie B. William Byron on the inside to his outside. That's Kyle Larson. Makes its long-awaited return. He's going to try to stay on the bottom, and they may have made contact. To North Wilkesboro Speedway. Whoa, Hamlin gets into Larson. Larson's in the fence. Hamlin will make the move. Larson will regroup. Denny Hamlin takes the lead. It's the NASCAR All-Star Race. 4 p.m. Sunday, May 21st on WKOM 101.7 FM. Do you have trees that need trimming or removed? Do you have stumps that you want ground? A1 Tree Removal is a family-owned and operated business local to Columbia and Lewisburg and servicing surrounding Middle Tennessee. They are licensed and insured and provide free estimates. No job is too big, no tree is too small. Give old Luke a call or text Luke at 931-359-3113 or you can check them out on Facebook and tell A1 Tree Removal that you heard this ad on the radio. If you love America, you will love A1 Tree Removal. This is Jim Ross, and you are listening to Front Porch Radio, WKOM 101.7, located in Columbia, Tennessee. And we welcome you back. Last uh, segment, Tony Basilio Show, Tuesday edition. Got about 10 minutes left in the show. I'm going to go right back to the phones here, but uh, I was thinking about our last caller, Don, and uh, just to be kind, he and I are both kind of seasoned. Uh, I bet he's like me. I bet every once in a while he finds himself uh, Colin, our our outstanding hitter, Daryl Dickey. I, I wind up doing that about half the time. Jared Dickey, we need to get Jared back well, and uh, he's going to be a big piece for this team going down the stretch. Uh, let's get Titans Bill in here. Hello, Titans Bill. You back with us? Yeah, I'm back with you. First of Good all, deal. I want to congratulate Tony and T. Jr. on his graduation. And, and Bino... Uh, Tony's daughter isn't the only one that's going to be graduating from UT. My, also, my nephew, Jesse, will also be graduating this coming Friday from the University of Tennessee. Outstanding. Congratulations to Jesse and, and all of your family, Titans. Bill, that's, that's, uh, that's a big day. Yes, it is, buddy. You know, on another note, I've been reading on my Internet there, uh, they may be moving the Jacksonville Jaguars to maybe they may not have a they may not have a home uh, stadium to go to because of uh, they're they're planning on maybe doing a little facelifting at the Gator Bowl Stadium or whatever they're calling it now. Where are you going, Brownie boy? London. Well, not every game. Maybe. Maybe they'll play a game or two at Neyland. What do you think? A home game at Neyland for the Jags. Oh, boy, we can, we can always hope. Go ahead, Titans, Bill. Or go, or go to Florida State. See if they, they can play their home games there. In Tallahassee be a good spot for them. Yeah, it should be. And on another note, I'll tell you something. Uh, I disagree with Tony. I do not believe we are good enough to go to Omaha. You disagree with Tony Basilio, who says we're good enough to go to Omaha, or we could. We could. What Tony says is we're capable of going to Omaha. Yeah, but are we really? Well, we could play the role of spoiler. Hey, uh. Notre Dame did it when they uh, when they spoiled our party. So hey, 
Are we capable of spoiling somebody's party, let's say, like a Wake Forest? I'd say yes. I'd say yes, we are. I'm, I'm, uh, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a doubter, too, Titansville. I haven't seen us play consistent enough baseball, especially on the road, uh, to go to Omaha. Um, uh, I'm, personally, I'm happy that this team recovered and they're going to be in the postseason because you certainly can't advance if you're not there. Yeah. So, okay, Bino, it's always good to talk to you, and have a safe trip back home, Tony. Thank you, Titans, Bill. I always appreciate your call, and uh, and thanks, and congratulations to Jesse. Let's get Taylor in here. Taylor, kind of close us out today. How you doing? Hey, Bino, I'm well. Thank you, hey, uh, Brian and Matt. Uh, and congratulations to the Basilio twins on uh, on a remarkable graduation at uh, uh, Ivy League school and then UT with an engineering degree. That's uh, that's outstanding. Uh, obviously, yes, they take after uh, Tony's better half with the intellect. Um, you know, talking about Evan uh, Russell, ER is outstanding, as we all know, uh, both uh, on the field, off the field, and certainly on the show. He confirmed the offensive philosophy, right, of, of Coach Tony Balls. Uh, led by Elander, and essentially that's to pre- pressure the defense, uh, essentially um, make them uh, make a play, if you will. And no one complains when we send a runner and they score, but everyone wants to complain and call it boneheaded uh, base running or, or whatnot when, when we're thrown out. But essentially that's their philosophy, and, and Evan really did confirm that. Um, but with that said, if you look at the philosophy of the, on the pitching side with Coach Frank Anderson, he's made it very clear, right? He does not believe in a slide step. And, and I think conventionally I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defer to Coach Anderson for a couple reasons. One, uh, his, uh, his history as a head coach and a pitching coach I think is un, un, unprecedented. Uh, and the fact that he has a son that's a pitcher in Major League Baseball and has had a pretty sustainable career I would I would suspect if someone ever asked him or if he wanted to be very candid, he would say that philosophy, he chooses that philosophy for a couple reasons. One, I'm, I'm guessing that it puts less arm strain on a pitcher, right? So if a pitcher changes his delivery with runners on base and does a slide step, I would argue that's going to put more pressure, uh, it's going to put more torque on his shoulder, on his arm, on his elbow, and I think the results uh, speak for themselves if you look at the metrics. What is our ERA and what is the opposing batting average when there's men on base and runners in scoring position? I think has, has uh, shown that, that that's very low, uh, low batting average, low ERA when we have runners in scoring position or runners on base. And then number two, uh, just look at the lack, knock on wood, the lack of injuries. We've had relatively healthy pitching staff for the last several years there's always an outlier here or there but generally speaking we've had a very healthy pitching staff and the next point i'll make is it feels like the emphasis has been on uh holding runners close via pickoff attempts and i've noticed that being much better but you know primarily i'm talking about the pitching staff and their pickoff moves have been excellent and then cal stark has been excellent in throwing behind the runner at first base well, I'll, I'll uh, get your take on kind of those comments, and I, I think it, 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 it's worked and it's made sense, but I know there's a lot of criticism for the, the stolen bases. Well, I, I want to get Matt in here, too. Um, 
the the guy that I know that knows the most about pitching of anyone that I have uh, that that I can talk to agrees with Frank Anderson's style uh, because he believes. I, I think the and this is the reason that analytics folks kind of uh, poo poo the stolen base. I think there's a number out there that says that only 17 percent of successful base stealers score that wouldn't have scored otherwise. Now I don't think Tennessee pays quite as much attention to it as they should, but their their philosophy is. And I don't know about I don't know about preserving arms. I don't know about that, Taylor. But I I know their philosophy is. Pound the strike zone. Make sure you pound the strike zone, even if we give up second base. Now they shouldn't surrender third easily, like they do sometimes. Uh, you you shouldn't do that from a base running standpoint. Taylor, I don't have any problem. I don't have any problem with aggressive base running. That speeds up outfielders through the game. They may throw one out, and you may score two runs uh, because of them rushing things out there in the outfield. I don't have any problem with that. What I have a problem with is failure to tag up at third base. Uh, wandering off the base, you know, we do that. We do that some. We retreat to base. When we get someone caught in a rundown, we retreat and give up the base that we've already gotten uh, We and give up scoring position runners because we don't stay right there and give up the out that's in the, in the hang-up. Those are the type base running problem, uh, mistakes that I have a problem with. Yeah, and to your point about pounding the strike zone, I mean, I don't recall even – ever a pitch out being called in a known running situation. So I think that goes to the point of throwing strikes, worry about the hitter. I, I, maybe I missed it. But I don't recall seeing a pitch out. No, you're, last you're, comment you're on exactly those... right. You're exactly right. We don't yeah. utilize it, and we probably should more. Hey, Taylor, uh, I appreciate the call, time. man. Yep. Always. Yep. Take care. Go ball. Hey, I, I want to thank uh, uh, Matt and, and Brian for their terrific work. I, I want to thank all of our guests. Tony Vitale.